Parker, you will help me. If it's at all possible. But tell me, why is Count Dracula keeping you prisoner? I... I cannot tell you that. But if I'm to help you, I must know. I'm sorry. It's not possible. You make it very difficult for me. After all, I'm a guest here. If I'm to help you, I must have a reason. A reason? You asked for a reason. Is it not reason enough that he keeps me locked up in this house? Holds me against my will? You can have no idea what an evil man he is. What terrible things he does. I could not, dare not try to leave on my own. Welcome to the Ancient Slumber Podcast. This is show number six, or 6.1, I should point out, because there was an abortive attempt at another one, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. My name is Chris Ward, and joining me for a little chat about something horrible is Myron Schmidt. How are you doing, Myron? Good. How are you, Chris? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Excellent. Yeah, we had to abort the last show because it sounded terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like us. Ever the consummate professionals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so the last show that people would have heard us from was the Omen discussion we had, which was back at the end of November. God, it's been that long, huh? It's been that long. So we did record our end-of-year show with all our top picks of the year, but the playback was terrible. That sounded like shite, too. Well, yeah, your microphone was knackered, so you had to use a phone. My laptop decided to download Windows 10, so the audio was all jittery. We sounded like a pair of rappers. <laughs> yeah, so Thug, thugs are us. Thugs are us. So we did that as a written re- piece for the for the blog. Um, right, before we begin, I just want to step back to that Omen show a second because a couple of bits that uh, we missed out. We didn't score Omen three. Really? Yes. So I'm going to say now three and a half inverted crucifixes. How many for you? I'm going to have to go with uh, three inverted crucifixes. Three, okie dokie. And then we didn't... Which is... It's pretty remarkable that we're that close. I know. And we didn't order the films in our preference. Really? Yes. So I'm going to say, from good to bad, Omen 2, Omen 1, Omen 3, the remake, Omen 4. I have to go with number one, Mm -hmm. number two, Mm -hmm. number three. Yep. The remake. Yep. And that other thing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I thought that's where you'd go. So yeah, we're not we're not too dissimilar on that one. No, not really. Not really. And I did get the name of one of the actors wrong. Uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radici, and I said Radice because I read it phonetically because I'm a moron. That's all right. There we go. My OCD is complete now. I can rest assured that I've corrected everything. <laughs> now just to get the latest uh, two down EPs, and you'll be good. <laughs> Uh, no, I'll just stick with them when they were good, first three albums. Yeah, there you go. Maybe oh. you should edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm keeping that in, fuck it. 
<laughs> Phil Anselmo, dearie me. Anyway, right, on with the show. It's been a funny start to 2016. We've got a lot of celebrities disappearing. We do. We, a lot of them. Obviously, we had uh, we had Lemmy over the Christmas period. And then we had, uh, you know, David Bowie shortly thereafter. David Bowie. Are you a Bowie fan? Um, You know, I'm not the hugest fan of his music. I like some of it. I don't like some of it. Uh, but I guess the thing with Bowie is he, uh, God, he was unique. Hmm. And he showed other people it was cool to be unique. And I always admired him for that. Yeah, he's one of them artists. A bit like Queen, I think. He's one, I never really liked him as a musician. I mean, not liked him, but his music did nothing for me. But I appreciated him. I think we needed more musicians like him. Exactly. He went his own road and he told people it was okay to go your own road. Yeah. Yeah, so that was another loss. So the loss of Lemmy really hit me. I wrote a piece on the blog about that because I've never written I've never written a piece about a celebrity dying before, but uh, don't know something I had to get something down. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's funny. I grew up on and off listening to Motorhead. Hmm. Could I name ten songs? No, but you know, Motorhead as a group was definitely part of my um, metal upbringing. That's for sure. Oh, I'm a massive lifelong Motorhead fan. Always have been. I still still coming to terms with that one, if I'm honest. But um. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and he was, by all accounts and all the interviews I've heard, and lately there's been a lot, he was just a absolute top bloke, nice guy, you know, honest, mm. kind kind to everyone. And, you know, anybody with those kind of credentials that passes away is a loss. It's a shame that it takes their death for them to get the recognition they deserve, really. It, it really is. It really, really is. But uh, those of us, there were some of us in the know all along. Exactly. And I, I actually did... You know, I spent probably, God, over 20 years never going to a concert for one reason or the other, mm. mainly kids. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was able to take my youngest son to see Ronnie James Steele before he passed away. All right. Uh, with uh, Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler and one of the Apathy, one of the Apathy brothers. Vinny, Vinny Apathy. Vinny. Oh, you, you saw Heaven and Hell? I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, I got to tell you, for, you know, Black Sabbath was a huge part of my metal upbringing, hmm. and to to be able to listen to him after never seeing them live, um, rip into songs like you know Mob Rules, which was one of the first vinyl Black Sabbath records I ever bought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it was uh, it was a little it was a little overwhelming. Oh my God, should have been there. It was it was kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I never saw that lineup. Never saw that. Lineup. The only chance I had to see that was they played the Birmingham NEC on the Devil You Know tour, and. Uh, I was at the motorbike show next, in the building next door, and I sort of jokingly said to my dad, oh, should we just run across and get a ticket for that? I'd like to go and see that. And we didn't. And then uh, uh, Ronnie James Dale died not long afterwards, so uh, never got to see that lineup, unfortunately. You know, the most amazing thing is that um, he sounded to me just like he did on the records. You know, just it's perfectly clear, perfect. His, as, yeah, you his know. voice stayed strong all the way through, didn't it? It, it did. It really, really did. But I, th- I think that last record, that Devil You Know, I love that album, and I think his voice sounded a lot... It matured as he got older. In a lot of ways it did. It still had I the mean, strength, but it sounded maybe maybe a key deeper or something like that, but it had a, a different kind of strength to it. Yes, yes, mm. but, you know, it's... Uh, you know, and the thing with uh, Ryan James Deal, if memory serves me, died of uh, colon cancer. Uh, uh, was it colon or was it stomach? I thought it was colon. But anyways, we're talking colon cancer. Hmm. Highly preventable. If you've got symptoms, go get it checked out. Prostate checks, colonoscopies, 
they're not that bad. Just go do it. Exactly. It could save your life. Exactly. Yeah, we also we also lost Angus Scrim. We did. From Phantasm, which was a great shame. Absolutely was. I do hope they get to release Phantasm 5, though. Me too. Me too. His, uh, his scenes were filmed, I believe. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that'll go out as a nice little tribute to him, because that's the film everyone wants to see. Absolutely. Uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yes. Hans Gruber passed away. Yes, and twice. <laughs> Off the building. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, another great, great, great villain, Hans Gruber, yeah. Yeah, great actor. He was a great actor. And also this morning, this won't mean much to you, but this very morning it was announced that Terry Wogan has died. I saw that on Twitter. Do you know who Terry Wogan is? I have no clue who Terry Wogan is. No, he was um, a DJ, TV presenter, personality. He was one of those. He was pretty much done everything. You know, if you if you watch British TV in the last forty, fifty years, or listen to British radio, you would have heard or seen him at some point. Ah, he's, gotcha. just, one, he's just one of them that everybody knows. He was a big part of me. Growing up. I mean, I wasn't so a massive fan of his or anything like that, but he was always on telly. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, he, I do. He used to present a game show called Blankety Blank, which I used to quite like when I was a kid. But um, yeah, great shame. He's one of them. He just sort of just always seems to have been around. Now he's not. Exactly. So uh, yeah, not a great start to 2016, unfortunately. And the the drummer for What the Hoople passed oh, away. Oh yes, as yes, well. yes. And I also think I read that a member of Jefferson Airplane <laughs> passed away as well. Oh God, yes, the guitar player. Yeah, um, I don't know his name, but. Um, Cantor, Cantner. Yeah. Something like yeah. That. Yeah. So there we go. It's all it's all happening. Exactly. Anyway, enough death and destruction. Let's get on with some more death and destruction of our own. Exactly. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Should we do some good, bad, and ugly? Let's do some good, bad, and ugly. Do you want to give us one good? It is uh, a film called When Animals Dream, directed by Jonas Arnby. Right. It, it is a... Have you seen this one yet? No. It is a werewolf flick. Um, it's done kind of in the same, quote, art house, unquote, kind of feel like uh, Let the Right One In, mm-hmm. the, ori- the original French version. Yeah. Um, it's subtitled it's and not very, French, very good. It's uh, Scandinavian. Let the right one in? Yeah. Is it? Yes. I thought it was French for some reason. No, it's... Is it Swedish or Norwegian? Swedish, I think. But it's Scandinavian. Well, I'll be a son of a bitch. See, bloody Americans don't know anything about the rest of the world, do you? No, we don't. <laughs> Although half of us are looking to move to somewhere in the rest of the world if Donald Trump gets elected. But I'm just... <laughs> I, I digress. <laughs> But it's highly recommended. I think uh, I think you would like it. Okay, I haven't heard of that one to be honest. It's on uh, Netflix America. Oh, that doesn't help me then. I know. <laughs> I hear you guys have shite on Netflix over there. Oh, we got shite on every channel. <laughs> That's why I like DVDs so much. What about you, Mister Chris? I'm you, just looking uh... through to pick one that I good. Oh, here's one. Uh, I watched this on Friday night, and I know you. You've seen this. Uh, Bone Tomahawk. Ah, Bone Tomahawk. Good movie. Yeah. Slow burn, but but good movie. A big slow burn, but I think the payoff is worth it. It is. Yeah, it's sort of 
hills have eyes, but in the Wild West, isn't it, really? Yes, in a lot of ways it is like that. Uh, very well acted. We got Kurt Russell killing it again on the screen. He's magnificent, isn't he? Yes, yes. And also Richard Jenkins is worthy of a mention, playing his deputy. Absolutely. Yeah, they're very... Uh, would be nice to see him get some recognition for that. Speaking of Kurt Russell yeah. and your uh, love of Rocky movies, will we ever get a Tango and Cash Part 2? No, we won't. Isn't that too bad? Because that was kind of a good movie. We won't because I'm going on the fact that Kurt Russell was asked to appear in an Expendables movie and said no because he feels it's looking backwards. Ah, okay. So I can't see him doing a sequel to Tango and Cash. I, my, I still reckon that Kurt Russell should play Batman if they do Dark Knight Returns as a live action. Really? Yes. I would have said Clint Eastwood, but I think he's a bit too old now. I think Kurt Russell, imagine him with the cowl on, that jaw. Yes. But an old yes. rough Batman, that would work. Yes. It would absolutely work. That's my shout. You heard, you heard it here. Quentin Tarantino, get on that. Yeah, I'll be up for that. Can you imagine Quentin Tarantino directing a Batman movie with Kurt Russell? I did, could get on that quick. Did you ever hear about the, the Bond movie idea that he had? No. Back before uh, Casino Royale came out, Tarantino's pitch was a Bond movie set in the 60s, starring Piers Brosnan, but done in black and white. Now that's an interesting thought. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. It didn't happen. Not going to happen. Bone Tomahawk. It's good. Go watch it. Absolutely. Right, give us a bad one. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) A 1982 movie called The Forest. Right. Directed by Don Jones. Okay. A couple of uh, young ladies go camping with their significant others, uh, following about two hours behind them, run afoul of a crazy cannibal. I think there was ghost sightings. It was just bad. Even for 1982 slasher standards, it was just couldn't get into it. Didn't care about the characters. Couldn't care. Couldn't care less about anything. Well, there you go. That's right. No, I'm not familiar with that one. If I'm honest, you're for the better. Okay, my bad. Uh, right, yeah, you'll like this one. Return of the Living Dead Five: Rave to the Grave. I have no words. <laughs> now let me explain. As you know, I have this compulsive thing where I have to own everything in a franchise. If I have yes. one film, I have to own them all. I obviously own Return of the Living Dead 1, 2 and 3 because they're great. Uh, I have seen the fourth one, but I don't actually own it yet. And I say yet because I know I'm going to fucking buy it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually looking for something else on the internet and uh, this one popped up, Rave to the Grave. I have seen it before. It's normally around about £6 to buy and it popped up and it was a pound. With five pounds for shipping? No, no, no. Only another one pound twenty for shipping. But it was a German steel book. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I would have bought that, too. So, yeah. A pound <laughs> for a steel book. And I've got to be honest, the artwork on the steel book is great. It looks like an, like an Old Testament album cover. Really, really good. But the film is just fucking dire. It really is. Uh, it's better than part four. I'll give it that. Rave to the grave. Well, you know. That says it all. But it's just, they try and recapture the first film. They bring the Tar Man back in, but it's done so badly. 
the comedy just misses by a mile. You know, the nudity that's in it, it's all fake tits, and I can't be doing with that. Yeah, it's just bad. Bad, bad film. I would like my pound back, to be honest. Um, it would cost me more to send it back, so I'm not going to bother. But um, but it is a steel book. The steel book does look nice on the shelf. I'll never watch it again, but it's there. I actually found that I have an old Texas Chainsaw Massacre DVD steel book. Oh, nice. What, the first one? I believe so. Ah. Oh, yeah, there was an American one. Was it the three-disc one or the two-disc one? I think I have the. I think it's two. Yeah, I, have to get up I used lock. to have that, the region one. I got it for about 50p. I haven't got it anymore, though. I paid a little more. It's a little dented up, but it was a steelbook. I couldn't resist it for three bucks. Yeah, that was released over here in a three-disc set, and it's got exactly the same stuff on it. It's, okay. It's called the Ultimate Edition over here. Okay. Yeah, I know the one. You need to get the 40th anniversary set of that, you do realise. I have never seen a Blu-ray of that in the stores. I don't know if there is an American. There must be, surely. I, I've only ever seen the DVD, and I keep thinking, i got to go home and look that up on Amazon, then I forget. All right. I managed to get a... Yeah, because it was released over here by Second Sight, I believe, which I've got, and I've also got an Australian version, because the Australian version was about 10 quid, and it was cheaper than paying 20 quid for the British one. Okay, yeah, worth getting. Right, that's me, so we've done good, we've done bad. Give us an ugly. A truly ugly one. Hmm. It was a 2012 movie called After. Right. But bus crashes, two survivors, they're obviously dead. They walk around and try and do whatever it is they're going to do. I, To be honest, it just I'd sooner watch Contracted 2 on Reloop than have to sit through this again. Oh. Okay. And I loved Contracted, you know, the first one, so. Oh, dear. So it was an ugly film to sit through, was it? Oh, it was just... It was horrid. Anything else to say on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that concise reviewing there. Yes. Okay. I'll go for my ugly then. Um, scrolling down the list, I'm going to put in Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. Really? Why? Because it's a fucking horrible film to look at. Is it really? Have you ever seen it? Yes, I own a Blu-ray. The second one, yeah. This was the Blu-ray. I love Aliens. I love Predator. I'm not as harsh on the Aliens versus Predator first film as a lot of people are. The second one, there are bits of it I actually like. It's not a very good film. I really want to like it more than I do. My main problem with it is everything's so dark. And films are dark, so you don't have to see the crap special effects. <laughs> That's why they do it. Um, it's a film I've seen on DVD about three or four times, and uh, every time I I'm going to like it this time I must have been in a bad mood last time <laughs> and then I saw the Blu-ray for sale for about £2 so I thought well I'll get it on Blu-ray because I've got all the other alien films on Blu-ray there you go and I thought maybe the Blu-ray will bring out something I haven't seen before no it's still no I still can't make out what's going on oh jeez but there are bits of it I like I like the brutality of it you know and I like the setting in like the woods the forest I don't know whether right. Virginia or somewhere like that you know, I like the fact that the face huggers are now black. They've made them darker, which I think makes them look creepier. There's all things I like in it, but it just plays out so bad, and it just looks bad. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to like it, but I just can't. 
I don't mind it, unfortunately. No. And I know I'll watch it again. I'll get to that point where oh, I've seen that for a long time. I'll stick it on, see if it's as good as I, as bad as I remember it, and it will be. But there you go. That's right. <laughs> right. Should we get on to our main topic of discussion? I think we should. I think it's we big, should. It's it's a big topic. It's a big topic. I think we preface this by saying this was a listener suggestion. It was. It was. I put out on Twitter. Uh, if anyone's got any sort of franchises they'd like us to talk about. And Mr. Sean Munger replied with he'd like to hear us talk about the Hammer Dracula films. Which was a good suggestion. I've not seen hardly any of the Hammer Dracula films, so it was wonderful for me. No. So, I'm going to play a trailer for 1958's Dracula. This is the story of Dracula. A creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. Castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenberg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil. Dracula, 1958, directed by Terence Fisher, starring Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, Michael Goff, Melissa Stripling, Carol Marsh, Olga Dickey, John Van Eason, and Valerie Gaunt. Oh. 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 All of which I have no idea who are except for Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. You know who Michael Goff is? Batman, 1989. Plays Alfred. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Oh, very cool. Thank you for that fact. There you go. Synopsis, I suppose. Well, it's an adaptation of Dracula, obviously, but um, Hammer have made a few changes. They have. They have. In this one, Jonathan Harker 
is already at Dracula's castle, and he knows who Dracula is. That's right. That's a big one. That's a big change. After Jonathan Harker attacks Dracula in his castle, the vampire travels to the nearby town where he preys on the family of Harker's fiancée. The only one who may be able to protect them is Dr. Van Helsing, Harker's friend and fellow student of vampires, who is determined to destroy Dracula, whatever the cost. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Right. Dracula. Or horror of Dracula. Exactly. As you know it, because Americans obviously are very easily confused, and you would have gotten confused with the 1931 Dracula film. Uh, of course we would have. Yes, obviously 25 or so years later. That's right. <laughs> I do believe that... Um, I did read somewhere that in 1958 when this came out that the Bela Lugosi Dracula was still being shown at like midnight movie showings and things like that. I think I read the same thing. Yeah, so I think that it, it was to avoid confusion with that more than anything. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're... Uh... We have delicate sensibilities and simple minds. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you go to Walmart, you cannot buy the movie Deathgasm. You have to get it as Heavy Metal Apocalypse. <laughs> With that fucking stupid cover on it. Well, of course. Obviously. You're right to sell handguns to people, though, aren't you? Now, wait a minute. Now, do not make this a Second Amendment issue. <laughs> I'm sorry, we can sell guns to people to go on killing sprees, but we can't let you watch a DVD about a demon killing someone with a guitar. Oh, for fuck's sake. Exactly. Or, or, yeah. or, or we cannot offend anyone's delicate sensibilities in this country. Yeah. Walmart also changed a Christmas horror story to a holiday horror story. Did they? They did. <laughs> Fuck off, no. Really? Sirius is a heart attack. Oh, man. I would send you a picture. Camera, my phone is broken, so I can't I can't get a snap of it. I'll look it up later. Fucking hell. No, we can't offend a anybody. Absolutely. But but by God, we want to be, have, you know, 500 round clips to go in our pistols to, you know. No, exactly. It's every man's right to carry a firearm, isn't it? But you, you, know, you home, can't. Home protection. But you can't watch a, a film with a few tits and blood in it. Never mind. Exactly. But that's another issue for another day. Anyway, back as we are. Hammer. So... I was under the impression that you had seen a lot of Hammer films. No, I've not seen a lot of Hammer films at all. No, see, in Britain, it's sort of, if, especially if you're my age or a little older, it's sort of part of the of growing up, really. Yes, that, that that's the exact impression I got of you. And to be honest, until you suggested we do um, a Hammer discussion, I hadn't seen any Hammer films. Ah, oh, see, I thought you had. No, I hadn't. Okay, yeah, because what they used to do in the late 70s and into the 80s, the channel over here, BBC Two, used to do Saturday Night Double Bills. And they started out doing Hammer Universal. So they would show, like, the Universal Frankenstein, and then straight after they'd show the Hammer Frankenstein, that sort of thing. Um, Oh, very nice. And obviously as the years go on, you start running out of comparisons. So in the end, they just started showing, like, Hammer films, whatever they were, you know, Devil Rides Out or uh, a Dracula film or Twins of Evil, whatever it was. And so, we were, I mean, I remember in the mid 80s watching a lot of Hammer films that were on telly. My dad, we got a video, my dad used to take them and I used to watch them on a Sunday morning. So, yeah, before I sort of got into the sort of what I would call the modern horror, we were always allowed to watch Hammer films. It's where I first sort of got my knowledge of who Christopher Lee was. Not so much Peter Cushing because I'd seen Star Wars, I knew who he was anyway. Yeah, and a lot of the other actors who who pop up in amongst the films, who I'm sure we'll get to mention. Um, 
but yeah, I absolutely love Hammer films. As a sort of, to show you where I am on them, me and my missus were actually watching um, a quiz show over here called Mastermind. You know that? Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it used to be intellectual people would go on and they would have a specialist subject and they would have a couple of minutes to answer questions on that subject and then they do a general knowledge round and then whoever scores the most wins the mastermind title but as with everything nowadays they've made they do celebrity mastermind so it's all dumbed down now but you can go on and your specialist subject can be anything celebrity mastermind oh no fucking anyway yeah anyway that was on telly so uh, did they did they ever have Mama June from Here Comes Honey Boo Boo no never heard of it <laughs> you don't know who Mama June is no you're lucky <laughs> are we fortunate <laughs> yes you are someone's been on there once before and did um, their special subject was Iron Maiden oh really yeah because my missy said to me what would your specialist subject be and I said well I would do Iron Maiden but somebody's gone on and done that I said so it would probably be <laughs> Hammer Films oh wow that's um, I'm a big fan yeah I've seen a, I haven't seen all of them I've seen a lot of them I own a lot of them they're slowly trickling out on Blu-ray over here which is good so uh, yeah Hammer Films love them well thanks to you I now own eight Hammer Films nope seven <laughs> right are they all Dracula ones one of them has a Frankenstein on it oh yeah you got that, that yeah that two film one didn't you oh well I'm sure we'll get to Frankenstein one day it's a three film Ah, okay. <laughs> right then. So this is a first. Was this a first watch for you then, Dracula? It was. It, it was. was when I. I really enjoyed it. I I, I really did. And, and yes, it was better than Argento's Dracula. Yeah, a lot of things are. Well, not a lot, but there are many things. Uh, but it was very good. I I, I enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed the the how they kind of differed from the original and things like that. It was, uh, you know, it was just it was a, it was a great fun watch. A lot of the differences are there because of rights issues. Because Universal owned the rights to adapt Bram Stoker's novel. Oh, that would explain it. The ironic thing being that Universal fought tooth and nail with Hammer to keep the rights, so they Hammer couldn't do certain things which also applies to the Frankenstein films as well. That's why they couldn't copy the Frankenstein makeup. And, um, yeah, literally about six months after this film came out, Universal lost the rights, and the book became public domain anyway. So they could have, the Hammer could have waited six months and done what they wanted. <laughs> it was still good, though. Yeah. It was still very good. Yes. It marks itself out, I think, from the other Dracula adaptations. It absolutely does. Uh, mainly down to, I would say... Christopher Lee. And why do you say that? I like his Dracula. He does. He does do a very good Dracula. Although oddly, he doesn't speak much. No, he doesn't. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously, when you think of the character of Dracula, Bella Lugosi is sort of the image that you have. Yes. But I think that works well if you're looking at a picture, like a poster or something. Right. But I right. think if you want to see him moving around and doing stuff, you know, Bela Lugosi was a, a podgy middle-aged man, basically. Christopher Lee's just got... He's got that presence. He's got that gravitas. Yes, and, uh, yes. I re-watched it last night, actually, and there was a shot in there which I thought was fantastic. 
it's near the beginning when he's taking Jonathan Harker up to his room and you see them both from behind just walking up a staircase and the way that Christopher Lee is he's dead upright he's he looks about a foot taller than Harker but he, I mean he's not but he looks really right. tall and the way his cape is billowing as he walks and it just looks fantastic it's all very british yes the 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 stiff walking and all that it's all very british and somehow that uh injects a little um class if you will into it yeah even when like the scene where dracula bursts into the room when he's got blood on his fangs and he leaps across the table to grab the woman out of the way of harker right it's it's obviously it's very staged choreography a way of doing it uh, which a lot of films were back then but yeah I, I know what you mean it adds a sort of character to it I suppose it does yeah whereas had he been American he'd have just dived in across the table forward roll onto his knees and you know pulled out a 357 Magnum in slow motion Matrix style of course <laughs> bullet time <laughs> in 1958 <laughs> well you know um, but of course it's not just Christopher Lee because we have Peter Cushing Yes, we do. And who is fantastic, I think, in this film. He makes the, the perfect Von Helsing. He is. Um, I love... I love I'm all spoilers all the time. We're going to spoil all these films. They're fucking 60 years old, so bollocks. But um, at the end, when he kills Drac, he leaps up on that table and runs across yes. it and pulls the curtain off. It's, yes. Mean, all right, you look at it nowadays and think, oh, that's nothing special. You think back, 1958, it wasn't actors didn't do that you know apart from the pirate films you know a bit of swashbuckling going on yeah and you, you didn't get that sort of level of athleticism in a performance and Peter Cushing always did his own stunts even in the later films when he was clearly a lot older um, which we'll get to but um, yeah a, a fantastically energetic performance absolutely yeah it began the pairing of Peter Cushing Christopher Lee which went on for many many years yes um, did you know this wasn't the first film they were in together. I kind of assumed it was for some strange reason. Well, no, I mean, it wasn't. Now I've said that, I realise you had The Curse of Frankenstein the year before. But, oh, OK. But before that, they both appeared in um, they both appeared in Laurence Olivier's Hamlet in 1948, but they never met. Oh, really? Yeah, they weren't in the scene together. Christopher Lee was just a background character, which he Laurence Olivier didn't even know he was in it. Christopher Lee was, <laughs> I read this in his biography Christopher Lee was actually uh, visiting the set because he knew somebody who was working on the film and the guy just said do you want to be in this scene and they made him up and pushed him into the background and <laughs> nobody knew he was in it I mean obviously he wasn't Christopher Lee then he wasn't an act, a known actor this was 1948 but uh, it's on his IMDB page interesting yeah and Peter Cushing was in that film as well because Peter Cushing was a, was a known quantity before the Hammer films anyway he was in. He was uh, uh, contracted to the BBC, I believe. Okay. Okay. So, and he was in a very famous adaptation of 1984. Which oh, really? On BBC Television. That was back in the days when they used to perform the the, the programs live. Okay. And it was. They showed it one night, and then they showed it the next night. But it was two separate performances live on television. Okay. Okay. Very uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of marked Peter Cushing out as a as a an actor to watch, if you like. Okay. So yeah, they did The Curse of Frankenstein, and then that was a success, so they did Dracula. Very cool. Yes, it is. It's. I've got to be honest, as this film does get a lot of love. 
it's not my favourite of this series. I personally, it's not a film I grew up with. I didn't see this until probably about ten years ago, to be honest, because this was one that they, ne- I don't remember them showing on telly. Okay. Uh, not certainly not since the seventies, and when I'd have been too young. So, it's a good film. I'll even say parts of it are great. Obviously, you you got the bit Cushing and Lee at the end and all that sort of stuff. Right. But it's not a film that I'm affectionate towards, if you know what I mean. I, I'm surprised by that. Ah, I do like it. Um, you watched it on DVD, didn't you? Yes. Yes. I watched it on Blu-ray, because there is a fantastic three-disc Blu-ray edition that's out over here. And I don't know if there's an American edition. I would say, if you can get these films on Blu-ray, do, because they are definitely worth it. Okay. All right. I'll keep that in mind. They they do bring up a lot more than what you see on uh, on DVD. I'm just calling it up now because I can't remember who released it. There's a three disc set. It's one Blu-ray and two DVDs. Uh, Lionsgate. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of good special features on there because there was a lot of missing footage that they found. So on the on the Blu-ray, you actually get two versions of the film. You get the 2007 BFI restoration which looks lovely, and then you get the uh, 2012 Hammer restoration, which has got some missing footage in. Oh, gotcha. Uh, you can you can tell when you're watching it that it's been put in. It's not completely remastered. But, um, yeah, definitely worth getting if you can get hold of it. You know something funny? I know lots of things funny. Whenever you say BFI or I read BFI, I know it's, uh, what is it, British Film Institute, I assume? yeah. Over here, for many years, many, many years, BFI was a huge garbage hauler, you know, <laughs> rubbish from the house, you know, so I always think whenever I hear that, I was like, garbage hauler. So it's, it's their version of Dracula. <laughs> but very good, also not my favorite of the first batch that we watched. No, we're only doing the, the first five films in the series this show. Right. Who was worth a mention? We mentioned Michael Goff earlier, who plays Alfred in uh, Batman. Yes. Um, I don't particularly like him very much in this film. I warm to him towards the end, but I think the character he plays is just very, very... I don't know what the word is. Stiff, I suppose. I could see that. Michael Goff appears in a few of these films. Not the Dracula ones, but he's in a lot of film genre films from the era. Oh, okay, okay. Um, he was in a film called Horror Hospital, I think. Or Hospital of Horrors, Horror Hospital, can't remember. But um, yeah, he pops up every now and again. You know, he's just one of them faces that you know. Right, right. Um, but like you said earlier, I don't think there's anyone else in here really of any note. I'm just scrolling down now. It's it's a good film. It's an entertaining film. Absolutely. It, I can completely understand why it's some people's favourite. I wouldn't dismiss anybody who said it was. It's not my personal favourite, but uh, it's good. So. I'm going to give this one four coffins out of five. <laughs> I actually would go with four coffins out of five. Yeah, it's a solid four. Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. Right then, should we move on to the next? Yes. Listen to the beat of your heart, Marianne. You hear the beat of fear within you? Fear that will rise to a shattering crescendo of terror. You have strayed into a world of evil, where frightened people are held in the grip of unearthly horror. Beware of pity for the handsome prisoner in the Castle Meister. Beware of love 
For in your heart is only the pulsating throb of terror. Starring Peter Cushing as the doctor locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. Also starring Frida Jackson as Greta, who served the vampires with insane loyalty. <laughs> you needn't be afraid, she's dead. Martita Hunt, the Baroness, victim of her own son. Beautiful Yvonne Morlore, France's latest sex kitten, as Marianne whose beauty was her passport to the twilight world of the undead. <laughs> David Peel as the Baron, blindingly handsome, yet his kiss transformed the most beautiful girls into monsters. This was an interesting one. Well, I got, to be honest, I got through three quarters of it, and then my stream, I mean my DVD, croaked. Ah, right, okay. Anyway, 1960, The Brides of Dracula. Yes. Ooh. Again directed Ooh. by Terence Fisher. Starring Peter Cushing, Marita Hunt, Yvonne Monlauer, Monlauer Frida Jackson, David Peel, Henry Oscar, and Michael Ripper. God, I love Michael Ripper. But there's a absent name from this. Is there? Tell me what it is. There is. Where's Christopher Lee? Where is he indeed? Uh, he was approached, apparently. Didn't want to do it. Really? Yes. Yeah. Then what, he had a change of heart for the next eight movies? We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> there is a story. But this is, this is the only one that does not have Christopher Lee as Dracula. Nope, it's one of two that doesn't have Christopher Lee as Dracula. Ooh, that means I have yet to see another one without Christopher yes. Lee's Dracula. Yeah. I told you I was the first time watch on these. Oh, well, interesting. Okay. Right, 1960, Brides of Dracula. Uh, vampire hunter Professor Van Helsing returns to Transylvania to destroy the handsome bloodsucker Baron Meinster, who has designs on beautiful young school teacher Marianne. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, Van Helsing, he's still hanging around Transylvania. That's right. You know, doing this and that, going to the inn and questioning people and doing what he does. That's right. How about that lady? That, that really, lady. that kind of almost creepy lady that comes into the inn and scurries our heroine away to her house. That's Baroness Meinster. Yes. And she's played by an actress called Martita Hunt. She did a fantastic job of she's, playing she's that creepy great. lady. Now, a little fact. you This probably won't mean anything to you. 
she is the aunt of Gareth Hunt. Drawing a blank here. Gareth Hunt is an actor who was in, you would probably know him, you know the Avengers TV series? Yes. He was in that dark curly haired guy. I can't, I don't know the name of his character. I never watched okay. it. Okay. I, I haven't seen much of it, but I do know there is an Avengers, Avengers TV series. He's probably, he's famous for that. And over here, he was more famous for doing a lot of coffee ads on the telly in the 80s. Nescafe coffee. I gotcha. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't actually know. It's only because I was looking it up the other day. I was looking through to see what other films this actress had been in, and it come up that she's the, the aunt of Gareth Hunt. I thought, oh, there's a nice little fact. Okay, if yeah, you know, exactly. If you know who he is, which we yes. do. So. Did we say that this was 1960? Yes. Okay. Yep, so in 1960, by which time Hammer had already done a couple of Frankenstein sequels. Uh, this was the first proper sequel to, to Dracula. Christopher Lee does not appear, but we have Baron Meinster, who is played by an actor called David Peel. You know what strikes me as funny about this? Yeah. Is it's always implied, and of course not like the modern day vampires, that Christopher Lee's Dracula has some beyond human strength. Yeah. And yet we have Baron Meinster shackled with what can only be described as a small chain <laughs> to his room. Yeah. Christopher Lee would have just busted that within five minutes yes yes <laughs> yeah 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 i think like with a lot of these films if you really examine them and pick them apart you can it's quite easy but um well that one kind of stuck out at me and and we're also going to get to talk about another thing that stuck out at me that i was very surprised at yeah in one of the films oh not this film no 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 it will no, not okay. be this film well, we'll get it will that. be um Risen from the Grave. Oh, okay, well, we'll get there in a bit. But anyway, yeah, this film... This film always reminds me of Suspiria. Why is that? It's the bit about the young girl, the Marianne character, played okay. by Yvonne Monlor. It's the the bit of her, because she's she's travelling to a school, isn't she? Well, she's going to take on a job as a teacher. But it's just... A uh, student A oh, student, teacher. sorry. Yeah, so it's... I don't know, it's that element of the story, it just always reminds me of Suspiria, you know, the, the the young lady approaching the school in the dark depths of some place she doesn't know, the creepy lady who's in charge. Right, right. Know, all that sort of stuff, it, it just puts me in that frame of mind. Yes, yes. I think Argento may, may have seen this film and been inspired by it, I don't know. And obviously I, I don't think Argento used any of these to make Dracula 3D. I think it has in, a seven-foot praying mantis. I think he I was inspired he by he was inspired by Saturday morning cartoons for that one. <laughs> yeah, Brides of Dracula, I'll say, is the it's the Halloween three of the series. I can see that it's the one because Christopher Lee's not in it. People always go, oh, I don't like that one. He's in Christopher Lee's not in it. Uh, it's, not, it's not that good. It is quite good. I quite like it. If you if you just take it out of the Dracula series yeah. and just consider it on its own, um, the first eighty percent that I saw was very good. Yeah, it's. But then then my Wi-Fi took a <laughs> yeah okay. took a took a took a bunk and ran away and my my DVD I mean my stream I uh, you know what I mean yeah it fell it yeah. all went tits up yeah so yeah yes it's. It takes a while for Peter Cushing to get in the film. I think I timed it around about 45 minutes before he appears. Yes, yes. Um, 
when he does the film sort of shifts a gear up until that point it's very much i would say gothic melodrama well yes because you have somebody locked in a dungeon so to speak and you have a young impressionable starlet there not understanding what's going on and as we said before the character of the baroness meinster is a fantastic character very barbaresque i thought a lot of it if you uh, look at the film okay. black sabbath I have seen it, but it's been a long, long time. I think there's a stylistic comparison between the two, even though this came first, obviously, but, you know, I think there's a lot of comparisons there. Yeah, it's a creepy film. You know, once Peter Cushing appears, it picks up and turns into a bit more more action-orientated. David Peel is fine as as the main vampire. He's no Christopher Lee, but then who is? That's right. Yeah, it loses it a little bit towards the end. I think the way the vampire goes out with the shadow of the the, the windmill on him forming the cross is a little bit really. Well, if we looked at, if we looked at everything that formed a cross, vampires wouldn't be able to move at all, would they? No. <laughs> you know, the stitching on my jacket looks like a fucking cross. I could just stand in front of a vampire and I'll be fine. You know. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> hey, at least they were thinking. Yeah, they were thinking. And at least, uh, say, the way he went out, he got the cross and he got burned and all the other stuff. It was quite brutal for a film of yep. that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's a solid film. It's not a great film, but it's definitely definitely not the worst of the series, like a lot of people seem to think that it is. Um, right, right. It, it could have done with Christopher Lee. He's not in it, but what we've got is still pretty good. Absolutely. So I'm going to give this one... Three and a half coffins out of five. I, I have to give what I saw only three coffins. Okay, yeah, you didn't see it all the way to the very end. But, uh, yeah, I would say go back and give it a watch. Watch the whole thing. I want to. <laughs> Do it. You sound like a little, <laughs> you sound like a little child then. <laughs> I want to. Oh, dear. Dear me, yes. Should we move on to the next? Yes, and that will be in 1966, Dracula... Prince of Darkness. Ooh. At this lonely crossroad in the Carpathian Mountains, four travelers find themselves abandoned at nightfall by a local coach driver who was afraid to go any further. There's no driver. A coach with horses that knew the way. A table laid for four. Was this kindly hospitality? Isn't your master joining us for dinner? No, sir. I'm afraid not. Is he indisposed? He's dead. Why should a dead man be interested in entertaining guests? Dracula, Prince of Darkness, King of the Vampires. For ten years, his mortal remains were cherished by his faithful servant, awaiting the opportunity and a victim to provide the life force for the reincarnation of Dracula. strange premonition warns the guests at Castle Dracula that their host is ready to receive them. 
I must kill him. He is already dead. He is undead, Mr. Kent. He can be destroyed, but not killed. Where's Charles? You don't need Charles. We're getting serious. Yes, we are. Again, Terence Fisher directs. Jimmy Sangster writes. We have Christopher Lee. Yay! Yep. He's back. He's back. We have Barbara Shelley. We have Andrew Keir, Francis Matthews, Thorley Walters, and you can bet your ass Michael Ripper's in there somewhere. He probably is. <laughs> he was in you won't know this Michael Ripper appeared in about 90% of the Hammer films from 1960 to 1970 always playing a different ah. character but he just pops up you'll know his face when you see him but I don't think he's in this one actually <laughs> now this one I thoroughly enjoyed would you like to know why why did you enjoy it Myron absolutely the butler Clove Clove I really liked Clove played by Philip Latham he, he did a great, great job. Yeah, he's no Alfred, is he? Well, yeah, but <laughs> still, he played that that uh, that creepy butler thing. He, mm. he did really well. He did. Well, the plot of this one is quite simple. Four visitors travelling across Europe end up at Dracula's castle, and Dracula is resurrected. And yes. He, and he picks them off. But they end up there by possessed horses. <laughs> as As we all do. Of course. Yeah. I love this film too. For a long, long time, this was my favorite of the series. The whole series. I can actually understand why. It was, a, It was out of the first three we mentioned, it certainly was the best. It's probably the one I've seen the most. This was regularly shown on telly when I was a kid. Um, it still is. You can guarantee at least once a year there'll be some channel showing this one. Yeah, there's no Peter Cushing this time. And as much as I love Peter Cushing, I don't think the film suffers too much for him not being in it. I don't think so either. I don't think it suffers as much as, say, Bride suffered by not having Christopher Lee. Correct. I would absolutely agree. I think Lee's presence is what makes it. Um, he doesn't say a single word in this one. There are various reasons as to why, depending on who you want to believe. Christopher Lee says that he refused to read any of the words that were scripted for him. <laughs> whereas Jimmy Sangster says they didn't write a script for him <laughs> well of course Jimmy says that <laughs> so it's you know it's six of one half dozen of the other and it, you know the truth is probably in the middle somewhere <laughs> come on you can imagine Christopher Lee saying that oh and yeah proper, you know being the proper stiff upper lip British something you know I'm not bloody reading any of these shitty lines I'd like, to, I'd like to imagine Christopher Lee just looked at the script, turned to him and went, oh, just fuck off. <laughs> That's right, something like that. But I, I don't think he did. In perfect, proper British manners, of course. <laughs> no. But he doesn't need a script because his presence says it all, I think. That's right. That's the right. way he walks across that set with that cape balloon, it's magnificent. Um, I, I, did, I did read somewhere where yeah. his blood eye contacts were... Very painful, and yes. he couldn't see a damn thing. That's right, yes. 
Yeah, because they used proper glass back then, didn't they? But imagine that. Those mm. contacts, lenses back in, uh, let's see, i got to look, 1966, 19... Yeah, Heck, 1958. Yeah. You may as well have put those glasses on with the eyes with the silly springs on the front, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. You'd have seen now more that, out of them. <laughs> I mean, that must have hurt. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you can see why See why Dracula was a bit pissy, can't you? It, it, yes. <laughs> exactly. This had an interesting thing for me. Hmm. Um, not, not the most interesting. But uh, the running water will drown him. Yes. Mr. Mr. Chris, where did that come from? Because I don't know. From Stoker. Ah, okay, okay, and they've just adapted it a bit. Yes, yeah, it's from Stoker. Um, yeah, we haven't got Peter Cushing in this film, but we do have Andrew Keir playing Father Sandor, the monk. Fantastic performance. Absolutely. Again, he's no Peter Cushing in terms of being a, you know, an athletic character, but he's got a lot of weight to him, both literally and figuratively. Yes, yes. He's a big booming presence. Yes. He seems to know all about the vampires, all about Dracula. He's he's the guy you'd want to stand next to you on the battlefield. Exactly. If you choose not to take my advice. That's it. If there if there's really a question why anybody, you know, should ignore him. <laughs> well, here we go. But yeah, Andrew Kerr, I mean, he's appeared in a few Hammer films. He was another one of their sort of stock actors. Um probably best known for Quatermass and the Pit. Okay. You seen that? Um, you put him I haven't seen that one then. I've not seen that one. No, but he's in a few. He's been in a few Doctor Who things, and you know he's one of them faces that was you see him pop up every now and again in something. Ah, gotcha. You mentioned Clove, Philip Latham. I'd like to have seen Clove appear in another film. That would have been pretty cool. I would too. I really enjoyed the the Renfield Butler kind of thing. Yeah, well, Clove does appear in another film. He appears in one of the ones later on, but it's a different actor. Oh. Uh, we'll get to it. It won't be this show. It'll be the next show. Okay. But, um, yeah, we'll get there. The other one I wanted to mention was Francis Matthews, who plays Charles, who's sort of the main uh, the main guy out of the four travellers. Yes. Uh, again, another stock hammer face. He's in lots of things. He was in uh, Revenge of Frankenstein. That's the one that springs to mind. He's in a few other things. He's just one of them actors I just like to see. If he's in a hammer film, oh, Francis Matthews in it. Oh, he'll be good. He's just one of those. And this one... Uh... Very cool. This one gets points for vampire kill at the end, though. Uh, you think that's the best vampire kill? No, I'm just saying it gets points for creativity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Visually, it's not the best one. <laughs> I Well, no, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the shoot the thing and, you know, and they drown Dracula. Yeah, that's it. And you've got, say, Ludwig, the Thorley Walters character, who's sort of a throwback to Renfield. Yes, they do bring bits of Stoker in here and there in the Hammer films. I don't think this film necessarily needed him, but quite a fun little performance anyway. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So what would what, what do you give Coffins on this one, Chris? Uh, I'm going to go four and a half. And I'm at a solid four. Yeah, I love this film. I've grown up with this film. This, is, this was my go-to one for many, many years. It's probably a bit... You know, like Star Wars now, I've probably seen it so many times I'm sort of numb to it now. But uh, I still enjoy it. If it's on telly, late at night, I'm flicking through the channels, it's on. I'll always stick it on. I can understand that. Still, it's a very, very good movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know what? I'm going to have to change mine. I have to go to 4.5. Yeah. (laughs) Because, would you like to know why? 4 doesn't seem enough for it. Well, it's better than Dracula, so I have to go higher than Dracula. Okay, we're agreed on that one then. 
Sweet. Okay. Now we move on to 1968. No coffin could ever hold him. No door could ever bar his way. He is back from the dead. Count Dracula is alive. Dracula has risen from the grave. Dracula, the most fearsome name in any language. The most feared being ever to haunt the living. against him is futile. To know him is eternal damnation. Dracula has risen from the grave. Dracula has risen from the grave. Yes, he has. Which is a, a pretty literal title. Uh, yes, and this one it is. It is, directed by Freddie Francis this time, not by uh, Terence Fisher. Mr. Anthony Hines wrote the screenplay. He did. So we don't have Jimmy anymore. No, we have Anthony Hines, who was also a very prolific writer within the Hammer Stable. Uh, we have Christopher Lee again as Dracula. We have Rupert Davis as the Monsignor, uh, Veronica Carlson, Barbara Ewing, Michael Rippers in this one, yay! <laughs> George A. Cooper, who you won't know, but he played the caretaker in Grange Hill in the 80s, which was a kids' program. <laughs> okay. And, and let's, uh, we need to correct that. The uh, Monsignor, a.k.a. the Mountain Goat. <laughs> okay. Did you see that cliff that man scaled? Yes, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, with... You know, a cross strapped on his back. Did you see the cliff that he scaled? For a man of his that, age and his size, it was quite <laughs> impressive, wasn't it? That, that one shot where there's a, a sheer rock wall straight up, and then the next shot is him standing in front of the castle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, all I was thinking is, really? <laughs> 
Okay, plot for this one is when his castle is exorcised, Dracula plots his revenge against the Monsignor who performed the rites by attempting to make the holy man's young niece his bride. Right then, what do you reckon of this one? Um, it, it's not a bad one, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> okay. So obviously, this is a direct uh, sequel, if you will, to Prince of Darkness. Yes, and we'll get to that later because I have to ask my again my question but uh, in the Prince of Darkness obviously there is a, a neat horse drawn path to the castle Yeah. in this one we have two elderly priests scaling what can only be described as a sheer rock wall yes so that, that was a little bit of a huh really guys you know <laughs> so that, that kind of took it down a notch I, th- um, I think they were assuming that people wouldn't remember that. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just kind of tough. Yeah. Because the priest panics, right? Yeah. And, and he runs and he falls down the mountainside and somehow crashes into the very water that Christopher Lee is immersed in with what can only be described as ice over it. Yeah, yeah, he's frozen in the in the water. He's frozen in the water, and the ice cracks. Christopher Lee gets out, and here's my question: mm. We see a reflection of Dracula. Ah, why do we see a reflection of Dracula? Well, that's easy to answer. Please do. Is it someone fucked it up? <laughs> <laughs> but that really stuck out in the movie. I'm like. Did I just see a reflection of Dracula? Hit the rewind button. Oh, there's a reflection of Dracula. It's interesting you bring that up because I think this relates back to the fact that we have a different director on board here. Freddie Francis directed this as opposed to Terence Fisher, and I think this is the start of the films losing a little bit of their gravitas. Uh, I'm not putting that at the feet completely of Freddie Francis because he's a very competent director. He's directed several films for Hammer and uh, uh, lots of other films besides. I mean, he directed Dr. Terror's House of Horrors and Evil of Frankenstein and uh, The Skull and lots of other good films. Okay. I don't think they had the budget for this one that they had before. And I think it was just a case of Hammer were now knocking these films out pretty quickly. We've only got Christopher Lee for so long. We don't want to piss him off because he's going to go off in a strop. Let's just knock this film out. Okay. And I think that is what it is more than anything else. You know, we'll forget creativity. People won't remember that. It's been two, three years since the last film. Just knock this one out. Am I right about the observations of the road and the reflection? Again, I'll just say different director, different crew members, you know... It's not like nowadays where every film that is released is scrutinised over and over, and then if you release a sequel and there's a detail that's different, everybody gets on the internet and calls you a wanker and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's just nobody, a... nobody does that on the internet ever, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, like fuck. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think that's just the case. Knock another film out. You know, that was the, that was the last film. This is a new film. We'll tie it in this way, but don't pay too much attention to what you saw before gotcha I think that's all it is to be honest they had to persuade Christopher Lee to come back for this one as they did for the last one but even more so this one Um, from what I understand it Christopher Lee just refused to be in any more Dracula films and they laid a guilt trip on him basically 
Um, these films... That, that, that guilt trip has lasted well into the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> See how long they can milk it for. Uh, um, it's because uh, Hammer films were distributed or backed by um, American companies like Warner's and uh, Universal and whatnot. And I think it was basically... Uh, I'll get into this a little bit more on the next one, but it was... Um, we're making a Dracula film. Can we have some money? And the American backers said, yes, of course you can have some money. Where's Christopher Lee? <laughs> He's not in this one. Well, get him in it. Yeah, that's basically right. it. So uh, from what I understand, they used to phone Christopher Lee up and basically say, if you don't do this film, you're going to put a lot of people out of work. <laughs> God. Which is basically the British way of doing things. <laughs> Has Christopher Lee ever written a biography? Yes. Have you read it? Yes. Does it talk about this kind of stuff? Yes. <laughs> Bloody hell! Yeah, I got it. Maybe I should get that. Yeah. It's uh, it was called Lord of Misrule, I think his biography, the one I read. Um, my, uh, I gave it away to somebody, and I really wish I hadn't, because I want to read it again. My uh, Kindle reading device is currently doubling as my mic stand, as our four seasons of. Seinfeld, oh, so right. I can ele- elevate the mic so I don't have to hunch over. Okay, but uh, yeah, <laughs> basically they phoned him up. We're making Dracula film. You're in it. Otherwise, we're all going to be out of work. What I wonder what he thought. Oh, for fuck's sake, another Dracula movie. Well, I think what he thought comes across in the film because I think out of out of the five that we're doing today, this is my least favorite. Really? Yeah, it's not my least favorite of the whole series. But out of the five that we're covering today, I think this is the weakest one. It was um, certainly not as strong as Prince of Darkness or Dracula. Okay. Uh, it's hard for me to judge. I'd probably put it on the same level as Brides, maybe a tick, maybe a tick below. Okay. But I, I kind of what I what I liked about this one, as did I like about the previous one, is it. You know, kind of brought the the church in on the circle of vampirism. Yes, that's what I like about this film. Yeah, we we don't we don't get that much. Um, you know, I mean, there's movies that have done it badly, like The Cloth, um, and there's <laughs> movies that have done it done it well, like John Carpenter's Vampires. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but you know, the, the Cloth is is based on that 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 kind of a premise as well, where yeah. the church knows. And it's just so horribly done that, you know, starring Danny Trejo, and I think he's in it like for... Well, you say, you say starring Danny Trejo. He's in it for about a minute and a half. Well, he's on the DVD cover. you got to sell those DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> I think that got but, pulled over here. I was sent a, re- a review copy of that, and then I was told we're putting back the release date, and I never got a... <laughs> which is good, because I turned it off after five minutes. It was shit. Oh, you had to see it through. No, I don't. It was... <laughs> I do still have you know, the disc. <laughs> you know, I mean, Danny Trejo was uh, his ninety minutes or ninety seconds was the best performance of the movie <laughs> before <laughs> okay. he died, before he got killed. Yes, uh, but anyways, back back to Dracula. Yeah, but I, I I did like that church thing. Yeah, I do like the fact that Dracula sort of takes control of that priest. Uh, the priest's name escapes me. Played by Ewan Hooper. Um, a very distinctive-looking gentleman, and he did a great job with he the did. clove-like uh, Renfield performance. Yeah, he did. He did remind me a bit of Clove, actually. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of Dracula having a priest sort of doing his bidding. I like the Monsignor character 
played by... Oh, I, I, do, I do too. Played by Rupert <laughs> Davis. Um, very similar to the monk in the last film. Andrew Keir's monk. I think I think the monk had more upstairs than the character of the Monsignor. The Monsignor is kind of a kind of a bumbling old fool who just wishes that everything was well. Well, he's a bit of a life. Puritan, but I think when the shit hits the fan later in the film, he steps up to become the sort of hero. He does. He, he does, does step up. And Rupert Davis is a great actor. Anyway, he's in um, uh, he's in a Pete Walker film called Frightmare from about 1974. I okay. Would say. Which is sort of a British take on not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but sort of you know the sort of fucked up family type thing. Gotcha. Um, cracking film, one of my favourites. Really, really good film. He's in that again, a bit like Andrew Keir. He's he's got that weight, that gravitas. Yes. And yes. now his his character may be a little bit stuffy and old fashioned at the beginning. Once he realises that it's all going to go down, he, he he sort of steps up to the mark and becomes a bit more likable. Absolutely, and my God, how can you not like the man who can, sh- you know, scale a sheer mountain wall? <laughs> a twenty stone man in his late fifties. That's right, scaling that and, wall with a crucifix on his back. Yeah, and get and get down again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Script for the next Rambo film, right there, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. There we go. So yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. This film. It is. Basically, the film is Dracula can't get back in his castle because the Monsignor's put a big crucifix on the door. Right. <laughs> that seems to be at the centre of it. Not that there's like a thousand other entrances, but he's, you know... No, I mean, Dracula <laughs> could just send to a bat and fly up to the roof, couldn't he? They're bound to be a fan light open somewhere. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure they had fan lights back in the day. Oh, of course. Well, in the first uh, Dracula film, there was just an open hole in the side of the castle, wasn't there? There was, yes. Yeah, there we go. It's even continuity again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's a very middle one. This one, I don't. There's not enough Christopher Lee in it. When he is on the screen, he just growls and says things. I think just reading the script, not really bothering to put much into it. Not that he was ever less than professional, but you get the feeling he's doing this just because he might put people out of work. They blackmailed him, basically. Yes. Um, in the British sense. Yeah, I mean, when he's on the screen, he's fine, but he's not on it enough. I would agree. Um, I'd say the the Monsignor character is fine. Uh, the character of Paul, played by Barry Andrews, um, he was quite good for a hero. Yes, yes. A bit annoying at first, but he soon... His confrontations with the Monsignor are quite fun, when he sort of tells the Monsignor he's an atheist. <laughs> yeah, that, that went over well. That went down well, yeah. <laughs> Going to a Monsignor's house and telling him you're an atheist. That's but uh, exactly again, right. that sort of <laughs> plays into the into the story a bit. You know, it's the religion versus superstition thing. I think it could nowadays that would certainly be developed a lot more than what it was right. back in the sixties. Obviously, sixty eight is obviously a pivotal year for horror films because of Light of the Living Dead. Right. So obviously, things like this were starting to look a little bit old. Yeah, this is the turning point for the series. Really, it, it does kind of uh, begin to take a more modern versus gothic feel yeah yeah uh, and and I, th- and I think we see that in the next one okay i do like the the way dracula goes out in this one though <laughs> quite bloody and brutal he gets impaled on a giant cross <laughs> yes yeah it's uh it looks a bit tacky now but in the mindset of the 60s i think it would have been quite uh quite a brutal little scene 
They, they had quite a few of those. I mean, even in uh, through the series, you get those little gore clips where the blood flies, or there's a lot of blood, and you think you got to put it in context. It, uh, it quite well. Yeah, I mean that shot where he's hang- he's impaled on the crucifix and he looks up at the camera and he's got blood dripping from his eyes and things. Uh, that, that still looks okay. I think it still works within the series. Absolutely. But it's not as much fun as where the films would go later on, and it's not as magnificent as the film we got before it, basically. So yes, I agree. I, I'm going with three coffins on this one. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very middle one. It's not bad, but it's not great. Right. Where are we going next? Next, we move to 1970. Feel the cold grip of his presence. Sense the clammy excitement of his evil. Taste the sharp fear that he alone can bring. Dracula's blood. This way, gentlemen. We know the way. These men thought they had tasted all that life had to offer. when you are, gentlemen. Would you be willing to sell your souls to the devil? If one thought that one's experience might be extended. It would be extended to infinity. There's someone there. Dracula is back to choose his human victims. Alice. Who are you? How do you know my name? Dracula is back to select his companions in darkness who must die that he may live if you shock easily stay away she's neither dead nor alive Lucy! 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 Baxter! Baxter, listen to me! The marks on her neck! She's a vampire! Prepare yourself every nerve every muscle Oh, no. Prepare yourself for the greatest shock of all. the blood of dracula 1970 taste the blood of dracula and they do they do i think literally they do we have a different director this time peter sasdy i didn't realize that peter sasdy directed that oh right yes he directed countess dracula for hammer and hands of the ripper another one all oh, right yeah okay and anthony hines again writes he does and again we get christopher lee who was blackmailed back one more time <laughs> if in that position you could demand a huge salary couldn't you 
Christmas is hammer again. Oh, you know yeah. the story. You're going to put people out of work. <laughs> no unions then. <laughs> i got to do something for fuck's sake. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we've got Christopher Lee. We've got Jeffrey Keane, who we know from the Bond films. And we've got Linda Hayden, Peter Salis, Anthony Higgins, Ralph Bates, Roy Kinnear, Michael Ripper. Yay! And, <laughs> and uh, Martin Jarvis. So... Plot of this one is three middle-aged distinguished gentlemen searching for some excitement on the next level, and so they get in contact with one of Dracula's disciples who resurrects the Count. That's right. Right. Taste the blood of Dracula. Go on then. Um, interesting film. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we see the church tie-in, although more on the occult end of things. Yes. Almost kind of a, like you said, turning point. Um, you know, we've had the the proper church folk involved, and now all of a sudden, we're moving to the devil involvement. Mm-hmm. But I thoroughly, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. The uh, the old guys that raised the counter, like, oh shit, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I believe we even had the gentleman who plays M crying at one point. Yes, Jeffrey Keane. Yes, he does. Yes, yeah. You know, over his uh, sorrows. Um, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. This was the. Um, this was the second Hammer film that I watched, right after Dracula, nineteen seventy-two A.D. Right. So it was. Uh, I, I I really I did enjoy this one. I have to say I really enjoyed it. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said that. You hated it. No, I like this one. Oh. This is after Dracula, Prince of Darkness. This is my favorite of the ones we're doing today. I would absolutely agree. Yeah, I like this film. It it is a bit like the last film. It's looking a bit a little bit cheaper, a little bit more exploitation-y maybe, but it's fun. By Christ, it's fun. Oh god, yes. It's a good story. It's got some lots of recognizable faces in it, especially if you're British. You know, Peter Salis is in this, who we know from Last of the Summer Wine. He's also you might know him. Do you know the um Wallace and Gromit animated stuff? Y- yes. He's the yes, voice of Wallace. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Very well-known British actor. Um, Martin Jarvis is in this, another known British actor who played the young Peter Cushing in The Curse of Frankenstein. Um, but also, we get Ralph Bates in this one, who... This wasn't originally going to be a Dracula film. This was Really? Go- yes. This is where, like I said last time, the, the American distributors wanted Christopher Lee. Ralph Bates was originally going to be the lead in the film. He plays Lord Courtley who's the guy who resurrects Dracula. Um, At the time, Hammer were looking for their next star. Okay. And they thought that Ralph Bates was it, basically. But this was originally going to be a film with him as the lead, not necessarily as Dracula, but as a vampire. But obviously the Americans said, no, we want Christopher (laughs) Lee. So he got shoehorned in. They also used Bates to replace Peter Cushing as Baron Frankenstein in The Horror of Frankenstein which really? I think came out the same year, which was sort of like a soft reboot of the series, um, but it didn't go down well. Not due to Ralph Bates, but due to the uh, it, the script, basically, was shit. But yeah, Hammer were really pushing Ralph Bates to be their next sort of star, and I don't think it quite happened. He, he never quite got the, the sort of the, the heights of Cushing or Lee, but um, I do like him. He was known in the 80s over here for a comedy called... Di- do you remember... There was an American remake. Do you remember a comedy called Dear John? No, I don't. In the 80s, it was about a man, middle-aged divorcee, 
goes to a singles club every week. No. No, no it doesn't, that doesn't sound like something I would have watched. No, but it, it was on in here in the 80s, and he, played, okay, he okay. played the title character. There was an American version. I gotcha, gotcha. He died, sadly, sort of late 80s, I think, early 90s. But um, I do like him in this one. Gotcha. I mean, it's uh, it's a fun one, that's yeah. for sure. And I'm assuming this is 1970, so what is the first Dracula movie from Hammer? Would, would that have been 72 AD? Say again. What's the next film in the series? Scars of Dracula. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. Yeah, came out the same year. I was going to say, it, it, this one really seems to be a turning point, though. I mean, it's different flair, different style... Um, I think than the first four it helps that we've moved away from Transylvania I think yes I believe it does I don't think it's ever specifically said where they are but I'm assuming it's London it sure has that impression that's where I assumed they were while I was watching the movie yeah uh, and it seems to be a little bit later in time maybe sort of towards the turn of the century yes yeah so uh, yeah it, it, it feel, it's got a different feel to the ones that have gone before it yes it does very much so. Again, the story is pretty basic. It is literally Dracula is resurrected by Lord Courtley for the amusement of three rich gentlemen who are part of a sort of hellfire type club. And obviously then one of them's got a daughter that Dracula gets his eye on. Yes. And it all goes from there. Exactly. And again, it's, just, it's, it's so damn entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. And, I, and that's why... Uh, and that's why I enjoyed the um, uh, God, which one? Oh, the other favorite of mine, the Prince of Darkness. Yeah, it was just it just was chock full of entertainment. Yeah, you know the faces pop up. You go, oh, it's that guy from him. Blah blah blah, and everybody does a good performance. Christopher Lee doesn't again doesn't do much. I don't think he <laughs> no. has to. He just no. sort of stands in the background and looks yeah. a bit menacing. Um, <laughs> I think this film, to be honest, and do you think is, that's do you think that's because all the directors are afraid to give them any advice for fear of getting <laughs> probably um, <laughs> getting a dressing down or I don't know what the proper term would be yeah yeah getting their asses kicked maybe I don't know something like that <laughs> I think because of the strength of the story in this one I think if you took Christopher Lee out of this film it wouldn't make that much of a difference this is the first one where I would say yes I don't think you need him in this one I think Ralph Bates does enough to convey that sort of menacing evil. Even though he's not as big and tall as Christopher Lee, he's got that look of somebody who's up to no good. I think the strength of this story would lend itself to any vampire only being on screen for five minutes total. Yeah, I, I don't think they need a lot of uh, you know appearances of Dracula in this one yeah. because of the strength of the story and the actors. No, that's right. I mean, Jeffrey Keane, Peter Salis, and Anthony Higgins, who played the three main um, gentlemen, they're all pretty solid performances. Yes. They sell their characters pretty well of what they go through and what their eventual um what what happens to them. Yeah, it's it's just a solid film. It's good fun. Roy Kinnear's in this as well. Um I don't know if you know who he is. He's the guy who collects the blood at the beginning of Dracula and sells it to Ralph Bates. Yes, I remember. Yep, uh, he's and again another British actor who was in lots of things in the seventies and eighties. Um gotcha. sadly, sadly no longer with us. I think he's the dad of Rory Kinnear, who's in the Bond films now, plays Tanner. Tanner, Tanner, Tanner. You know, Bond's assistant sort of thing. The MI6 guy. Oh! Gotcha. 
yeah, it's just a really, really good film. I think if you were getting into Hammer films, um, this is one of the ones you could probably do with looking at first to get a flavour without it going too serious or too melodramatic. I will tell you, this was the second one that I watched. Yeah. And yes, I can absolutely support that claim. Yeah. It is. It, it's like it gives you a very good impression of, oh, these are going to be a crap ton of fun. And, and, and let's be honest, Chris, even the the lower tier ones so far that we've talked about brides and uh risen they're still fun movies oh yeah yeah but some are more fun than others exactly exactly they would never fall into our the bad or the ugly category oh no no, no of our show they're all good of a level but so, so hope nobody gets that impression no no i don't think any of these films are bad yeah. there is one i think is bad but we'll get there next week okay I scored it a solid four on Letterbox. Really? Yeah. You know, I, 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 uh, that's exactly what I would have scored it as a four. So so far, obviously, my favorite is Prince of Darkness. Yep. I'm scoring this a solid four coffins out of five. I think maybe a, maybe a couple of production details maybe let it down, but as a f- entertainment, as a story, it's absolutely solid. I know. I was feeling ill this week. I heard you were under the weather. Yeah. Is that why we're agreeing so much? Probably. Maybe there's a change in the air. So you're going with a solid four as well. I, I have to, yeah. Excellent. It's, my, uh, it, it's just a tick below Prince of Darkness because I just... Hmm. I love that monk dude. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that monk dude. Yeah, I think so I've got more of a history with Prince of Darkness. I've just seen it so many times. Taste of Blood of Dracula was... And Risen from the Grave were both... I remember them both being shown on telly. Okay. So, I ha- I mean, I had seen them before, so... Uh, okay, well, that's the first five films in the Dracula series, so what are your overall impressions so far? Um, it's funny. It's five reasonably solid sequels. Hmm. Do we even get that anymore? Not at such a level of consistency, I wouldn't have said, no. I, I mean, usually, um, especially now, I mean, certainly retrospectively we could probably make the case of the first you know four halloweens the first four freddies whoa 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 whoa. first four (laughs) halloweens first three i think you'll find (laughs) all right but again see we can have this argument that i but i don't think we could both agree on this level of consistency of having you know essentially what four sequels that Mm hold their own yeah this well even the worst of them which I think is the worst of them which is Dracula Original from the Grave is still a decent film absolutely now, if it was the only Dracula film Hammer ever made then I'd still say yeah it's alright it's pretty good it's just yeah. it's just living up to the films that are either side of it right I- exactly I think next week's discussion is going to go next week next time's discussion is going to be a bit more interesting oh I've only seen I've only seen one of the four. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> I think there is a bit more of a um, uh, a bit less consist- consistency in the next. Okay, four. but you know, and I think that's the thing that impressed me is after I got done watching them and I'm taking notes, I'm thinking, no, there's really not a bad one in the lot. Mm. Do we even get that anymore? With with you know, mm, I, I I just don't rare. I don't I it's extremely rare. And the only kind of the only franchise I can think of, and I'm not saying in terms of quality, 
but just sheer ass consistency is the Final Destination uh, franchise. Uh, they were consistent yeah. through the whole thing. That's a good call, yeah. Whether or not we can debate how good they were, okay, that's a discussion for another day. But I think if we compare consistency to consistency, uh, that's the only one that really comes to mind where, you know. There was no massive deviation from any of them, was there? Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's a good, interesting little comparison. But yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. But overall, it's been, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Sean, for setting a deadline where I had to watch these. Does it make you want to watch more Hammer films that aren't Dracula ones? Yes. It does? Yes, okay. it does. Oh, well. Because I'm, I'm really curious now. Now now I'm now I'm curious. You see, you think the obvious place to go now after these is Frankenstein? That's kind of what I was thinking. Well, we'll mark it down to do later in the year, maybe. Ah, there we go. I do have them all. <laughs> I'm sure that you do. I do. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting when we get to it, because they're fairly consistent as well but when it deviates it does deviate quite a lot okay gotcha so that would be interesting um yeah and also non the non-franchise hammer stuff stuff like devil rides out you never seen that no but you have recommended to that you yeah, have recommended that to me that's probably my favorite hammer film of, of them all yes uh, you've said that yeah yeah and there's twins twins of evil the Karnstein trilogy you'll love which is Twins of Evil, Lust for a Vampire, and Vampire Lovers. It's called the Karnstein <laughs> Trilogy. They're not connected in any way, but they're basically the same story told three times. Oh, nice. But uh, that's when Hammer took on nudity. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yes. Big time. Did they just throw open the door and rip it all off, or is it kind of, you, you know, you get a nip slip here and there? Both. Oh, Lord, Elvis, okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by 1970, Hammer had sort of, you know, like I said, Night of the Living Dead had sort of set a new benchmark for horror. Okay. Um, and you also had the onset of the exploitation films, you know, Last House right, on the right. Left and all that sort of stuff. Sure. So Hammer up their game, both with the horror and with the sex. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. So, oh, well, it'll be interesting to see if we get round to any of those films. <laughs> well, we could do whatever we want. We can. We're not tied to anyone. Fuck them. That's right. <laughs> oh, well, I'd recommend you seek out Twins of Evil, then, at least. Okay. <laughs> it's easily available. Okay. And Cushing is magnificent in it. He doesn't get naked, fortunately. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if, in fact, if you like the Puritan figure of the Monsignor from um, Taste of, uh, from Jack Derrickson from the Grave... I do. And if you think about... Vincent Price's take on Matthew Hopkins in which find a general okay have, have you seen that nope nope wrote, okay, it, well, write well, it down though means fuck all to you then um, it was <laughs> called the conqueror worm in America I think basically if you get those two characters together you've got Peter Cushing's character from Twins of Evil the Puritan who sort of, sort of comes good at the end oh you need to see it <laughs> of evil Twins of Evil and uh, I'd recommend Devil Rides Out anyway because it's just brilliant yeah 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 so yeah, that's the first five Hammer film, Hammer Dracula films tidied up. Great fun, great fun. Go watch them all. Great fun. Yeah, say they're usually on telly somewhere at some point at any given week, um, but they are available. <laughs> well, in... maybe for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> they are available on various DVD and Blu-ray formats. Unfortunately, that it, it's not one company that owns the license to them all, so you do have to seek out these various versions. 
Yeah, which yeah. is a shame. I've got that four film one that you've got. Yes, the four films of Dracula, which has got Horror of Dracula, Taste the Blood of Dracula, Risen from the Grave, and AD seventy two on it. Okay, that's a fantastic set. It's a region one if you can find it, but you can get it fairly cheap on Amazon and eBay and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think I paid less than ten ten dollars for it. Yeah, I, I think I only paid about seven quid for it. I think. There you go. Uh, Prince of Darkness is available on Blu-ray over here by um, Studio Canal, I think. Hang on, it's going to bug me now. I'll bloody own it. Yeah, it is it Studio Canal in that one? Yes. The OCD flares again. It is. I've got nothing else to add. Anything you want to say before we go? I uh, mean, either. No. Okay. So next time, uh, go on. You definitely need to watch because I'm curious now. When animals dream, you sh- I, I'm, I'm curious what you think. You'll probably think it's total shite, but you know, probably. It sounds probably. like there's a TV show over here. Um, it's like one of these clip shows, and it's called uh, when yes. something like when good animals go bad or something like that. That's what I keep thinking of whenever you say that. <laughs> <laughs> we have when animals attack over here. Yeah, same. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What's it called? When animals dream. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, there we go. Oh, it's, uh, it's a foreign film. There we go. It is. I I, I didn't uh, couldn't remember where it was made. It was made in Denmark. It was a Denmark France sort of coalition thing. Okay. 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 Oh, looks interesting. Well, I'm a, I'll yeah. seek that one out. You should give it a go. Okay. It's rare that I can find a movie that you haven't seen. That's very true. Very true. I do watch a lot. I hope to get on with life, really, isn't I? Nah. Right. Nah. Right, then. So I will say, then, if you want to see what we're up to, head on over to ancientslumber.wordpress.com. There's always new stuff going up on over there. Follow us on Twitter at ancient underscore slumber, or I am Horrorsmith, and you are... M-A-S-C-H-E-M-67. Exactly. We're always on Twitter. We're always up for a chat about films. You can follow us on Letterbox as well. That's it. We'll speak to you soon when we come back with the last four Dracula films. I can't wait. Me neither. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. It's as they say, Monsignor. The castle is still evil. You can feel it. You can't imagine what it's like. I am not unacquainted with evil. The question is, what are we going to do about it? I don't know. Has anybody been up there since that time? To the castle? Yes. Have you been? No. Never. Then you should have gone. To prove there is nothing to fear. Me? Yes. I will come with you. When? Tomorrow, at first light. You will be ready. Otherwise, I shall have to go alone. That would not be easy for me. You know the mountains well, I do not.
warned you not to go anywhere near the castle, Mr. Kent. 